This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you on the early morning hours of Saturday, July 30th, 2022. As the St. Louis Cardinals have descended upon Washington, D.C. and earned a victory in Game 1 of the weekend series between St. Louis and the Washington Nationals. Good effort all around by the Cardinals on Friday, but of course, with everything that's going on around Major League Baseball and the trade deadline, the notes from the game may not be the most important thing that we talk about tonight as we continue to set the scene for the St. Louis Cardinals and what they might do ahead of the August 2nd deadline. 6-2, though, the Cardinals... Victorious over the Nationals on Friday night. We'll get into a little bit of the details from that game before we dive into the fun stuff, right? The trade stuff that we only get a few more days of because August 2nd will come and go. And at that point, the Cardinals will be what they are. There won't be any more opportunity to make these kinds of big additions to the roster, the kinds that have been made by some teams already across the league on Friday night. We'll talk about that as well. One of the big trades that has gone down with the Seattle Mariners trading for a starting pitcher, arguably the best starting pitcher on the trade market, which could act as a domino to allow the others to fall. But what do we think about the price that the Seattle Mariners paid to acquire Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds? We'll get into that and how it may impact what the Cardinals could look to do moving forward over the next few days. Before we get into the content of the show, I want to remind you, you can follow and subscribe to Shaped Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts primarily, but go to Google Podcasts as well. Head over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on the More Platforms tab, and there you can find all the locations where Bshape Daily is available. And if you'd like to support the show, it's really easy to do so. Head on over to Twitter, at bshafer12 is my handle, and in the upper right-hand corner next to the follow button on my profile page, you can click on the money symbol and throw me a couple of bucks, Venmo or Cash App. Be very much appreciated. No obligation, of course, but if you enjoy the content of the show, it's one way that I'm going to begin to mention just briefly during each podcast. If people are interested and want to support it as we get things off the ground here at B-Shape Daily, that's how you do it. But enough of that. Let's get into what took place on Friday night as the Cardinals got the winning going against the Washington Nationals. And it was very interesting with all the factors at play here in this series. We had the fact that The front office brass for the St. Louis Cardinals was coming into town for this series because Juan Soto is there. There's trade rumors swirling around between the Cardinals and potentially the Washington Nationals, and obviously the Padres are in. Some say the Dodgers are one of the front runners. Others say the Cardinals have an inside track. All of this going on. Of course, Juan Soto's in the lineup. Nolan Gorman for the Cardinals, he's in the lineup. One of the players that could be involved in the trade. And while he wasn't the only slugger, young slugger in the St. Louis Cardinals organization on Friday night that went yard. Nolan Gorman was one of them, and we'll talk about the other two because they are relevant as well in trade talks, although do we really want them to be at this rate? Get into that, but 
Nolan Gorman hits a towering home run to right field in the game on Friday night, helping the Cardinals to that 6-2 win. And do you think the Washington Nationals brass, Mike Rizzo and company, you think they were watching? It's such a tricky thing. If you're Nolan Gorman, you have to know these trade rumors are kind of going around and, and swirling with your name involved in them. That can't be a comfortable way to play. But for what it's worth, the kid has continued to look pretty good at the plate. A couple of home runs now in recent games for him. Tonight, just the dinger with two RBIs. OPS up to 745 on the season. That's higher than Dylan Carlson now, who went 0 for 4 tonight. So 745 versus 741. Maybe we're underselling Nolan Gorman. Is it possible we're doing that? I, I know Juan Soto's great, and I know it's going to take some significant names to get him. 877 is his OPS, by the way. Only Goldschmidt and Aaron Idol are higher in the Cardinals lineup this season. So we know that Juan Soto is very good, but Nolan Gorman, he could end up being pretty good himself. I mean, if he gets to that 800 OPS range, don't get it twisted. He's not going to be Juan Soto as a hitter. Juan Soto is so much more of a complete hitter. He walks more than he strikes out. That's unheard of in today's game, and Nolan Gorman's never going to do that. Doesn't have the play discipline to do that. But he does have that raw power, and it looks pretty when it goes a long way. When he connects, it happens. So I'm looking at Nolan Gorman. Yeah, it's got to be uncomfortable for the kid, but I, I appreciate the way he's playing and clearly able to sort of push that out of his mind and just do his job. But it can't hurt the Cardinals' case to show that Nolan Gorman is a guy with light tower power when the Nationals GM and company have the front row seat to seeing the game on Friday night. 6-2, once again, the Cardinals got that win. Miles Michaelis was on the hill for St. Louis. He did Miles Michaelis things. Seven innings, two runs allowed, six hits, just the one walk and four strikeouts. ERA for the season is at 2.86. And we saw Henesis, Cabrera, and Giovanni Gallegos come in for the end of this game. So you didn't need Ryan Helsley. Ryan Helsley got the day off yesterday because of the off day on Thursday. So should be ready to go for Saturday's game if necessary. That's a good spot to be in for the Cardinals in this series. Appreciate the way that's going there. And it's nice, right? Nice after getting that final win in Toronto. Split that series. And now you're playing the worst team in the National League. The worst team in baseball in terms of winning percentages, the Washington Nationals. And they, they I mean, they're just not that deep offensively. It, give credit to Miles Michaelis for the job he did tonight. But in, unless you're getting beat by Juan Soto or Josh Bell. There's really nobody else in the lineup that's going to beat you outside of those two guys who have almost identical OPSs. I take Josh Bell, too, by the way. I don't really know what the Cardinals would do with him, probably have him be a designated hitter. He plays some first base, and the Cardinals are, are pretty good in that spot. And it's a little bit tricky because any designated hitter type that they get would mean less playing time for Albert Pujols down the stretch, which I don't think they want to do. But Josh Bell's a hitter. He's, he's really... Uh, put it back together after it. he struggled in 2020, that COVID season. It was really ugly for him. And then toward the beginning of last year, didn't get off to a strong start in Washington, but has really leveled out with, with two of his better years of his career, actually. OPS of 936 in 2019. That was his only all-star season when he was back with the Pirates. Josh Bell's at 877 this year for the OPS. 13 home runs, 53 RBIs, hitting 302. Never really been a batting average guy, but for the first time in his career, as of right now at least, he's batting over 300. So, heck, I'd take him too, but Juan Soto is obviously the prize that the Cardinals are after, and besides Bell and Soto, you've got a guy, I'll just read off the OPSs, 608, 615, 661, 728, 715, 653, 474. Just not a very deep lineup. 
Anibal Sanchez was the starter for the Nationals. Good to see the Cardinals continuing to make him pay for what he did to St. Louis in the 2019 NLCS. Eight and two-thirds, no hit, I believe, was the situation there before Jose Martinez, I think, got a a hit in that ninth inning. But Anibal Sanchez gives up six runs. Cardinals offense was able to get it done tonight against him. And it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough to make up for what happened in 2019, but at least it's something. Lars Newpar goes yard tonight for the Cardinals, his fifth of the season. Curious to see what he's been able to do for his trade value recently. Not that I want to see the Cardinals trade him. I really like Lars Newpar. I, I, I like his personality. He's a he's a good dude. He's a fun guy. And looking like uh, maybe a better baseball player than we might have given him credit for over the early part of the season. 93 is his OPS plus for the year at this point in 115 plate appearances. He's starting to come on strong, though, of late. And he's got some pop. I think if he's another interesting guy. He kind of reminds me of Lane Thomas in not necessarily describing their, their style of play. Although you look at Lars Newtbar and Lane Thomas, both outfielders, both relatively athletic. But no, I, and, and Lars is obviously left-handed better. But just in terms of the type of player that, not a top prospect necessarily, but a solid young player with some athleticism and then just needs an opportunity if he were to go somewhere where he could play every day, you might see him be able to come into his own a little bit. Last year, Lane Thomas had a really good season for the Washington Nationals after going there in the trade. Really was their primary outfielder after July 31st and had an OPS of 853 when he was with them, which is more than double what he did when he was with St. Louis. You can't make you can't make that make sense. This year he's fallen off just a little bit, but still nine home runs, 34 RBIs, 673 OPS. Not fantastic. Same exact OPS plus as Lars Newpar as of right now for this season. But that's what I mean. Like I feel like they're similar in that regard where Lars Newpar may not get the full chance to blossom in St. Louis, but you also don't want to just give him away in terms of a trade because I feel like he, he should have value. He's a guy that's controllable. I think he's a fantastic guy to have as a fourth outfielder, and he might be a good fourth outfielder for the entirety of his career. I think he needs to learn a little bit more how to do that pinch-hitting role, how to do that role where you're not going to play every day. That can be hard on a young player. He's only 24 years old, turns 25 in September. But a young player that that I, that I think still does have some talent, and I mentioned the way that he's been performing recently. I'm going to take a look at his numbers over the last, I don't know, three weeks or so. And let's just take it over the last 13 games. He's had nine starts. And he's hitting 379 with a 471 on base percentage, a 690 slug. That's an 1160 OPS. It's a small sample size. But, I mean, to have an OPS north of 1,000 for the month of July, that's definitely noteworthy. So the Cardinals, I think, would be in decent shape if if they don't trade for Juan Soto and they have to continue to allow Lars Newpar to get some run. We know that Dylan Carlson could play a really good center field. Dylan should be in center field regardless until Beta returns. And then, honestly, that should be a conversation. And one thing I've said that I, I don't know how much I've said it on this podcast, but I guess I could say it now, and I love Harrison Bader, but I feel like his foot injury is hindering the Cardinals in a lot of ways with what they could be doing at the trade deadline because it, I just can't imagine a better, more fair deal for both sides that if the Miami Marlins need a center fielder and Harrison Bader was here racking up wins above replacement stats because of his defensive ability and ability to run the bases and, and make plays and have a decent enough batting average, get on base, have some pop, he'd be a three or four win player probably in 2022. And that would be noteworthy for a team that in Miami has Pablo Lopez potentially available. And he's got two years of control. Bader's just got the one after this year. But if you were able to go Bader and maybe a younger pitching prospect for Pablo Lopez, I couldn't think of a more 
mutually beneficial trade if indeed Miami is looking for a center fielder. Problem is, Bader's not healthy right now, and so it doesn't work out that way. But that would solve the issue for the Cardinals in the rotation, and then it, it would allow them to go after Juan Soto without really giving up any prospects toward the Lopez trade, and they could devote all the prospects that they would ever hope to, to need uh, for the Juan Soto deal. But, of course, that's not going to be the way that it goes. I did float earlier today on Twitter, would you trade Tyler O'Neill for Pablo Lopez in Miami? I think people see the upside of O'Neill, and they maybe are a little bit hesitant to that because he does have that additional year of control. You'd have him through 2024. Same thing for Lopez, but Lopez is entering into a, a part of his season where he's thrown now more innings than he has in any other year of his career. I believe that is happening with his next start when it, whenever it happens over the weekend. It may have been tonight. I haven't checked. But he had 109 innings coming into tonight. 111 is his career high. And so people are a little bit concerned about that if, if you're talking about a Lopez pursuit just because he's had some injuries in the past and you don't know what that workload is going to do to a guy when you get into August and September. And the Cardinals are kind of in a position where I think they do need to know. They need to be confident with what whoever they acquire, what that workload is going to be and how comfortable you can be with that guy being able to give you significant distance, significant innings down the stretch run of the season. Offensively, not a whole lot else to say about the Cardinals from tonight. And I do want to get into, because that conversation about pitching very much relates to Nolan Gorman. He's right in the middle of all of this. And get into a little bit more about how the Mariners trade with the Reds tonight may may have impacted what I think about the way the Cardinals should delve into the pitching market. But Andrew Kisner, want to mention him, two for four tonight. Tommy Edman with a base hit, batting ninth. Kind of an interesting spot for him moving around in the lineup still. Good to see, though, a couple of the younger guys. I mean, that's the bottom of the order. Six, seven, eight, nine in the lineup, getting a hit, a hit, two hits, and a hit. Three of the five RBIs that the team collected tonight. I believe Tyler O'Neill scored on a, a throwing error or something like that. I was missing it. I was at, at the restaurant for that part of the game. I said, oh, I see Tyler O'Neill scored. I don't have any idea how it happened. I got to be honest. I never went back and looked. That's my bad. But top of the lineup, didn't do a whole lot tonight. Goldsmith one for four with an RBI. Carlson had an RBI. No base hits, though. So the offense, it's good to just see, even though it wasn't an overwhelming night for the offense, you only had six hits as an offense, but you did come up with six runs. So you spaced them out appropriately. You took advantage of your chances when you had them. There was only one for three tonight with runners in scoring position. Like, it didn't happen all that often. But they take advantage going one for three. They steal some bases. Edmund had a base steal tonight. 21 for the season. Tyler O'Neill up to eight on the season. Arnado even stole a base. He's got two this year. 11th home run of the year for Nolan Gorman. Really like the way that's going. And so the question is, can you trade him? And if you can trade him, who can you trade him for and still be comfortable with it and still kind of live with yourself if you're the St. Louis Cardinals? The way I look at it is this. I look at it through the lens of the Luis Castillo trade that was executed tonight between the Cincinnati Reds and the Seattle Mariners. Mariners now have a really good rotation, by the way, with Luis, Luis Castillo at the top of it. Like, that's a good group they've got. They've got Robbie Ray as well, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, a couple of good rookies. Logan Gilbert's been fantastic. That's probably the one guy I should not have traded away in Dynasty, but that's okay. But what happened tonight was the Mariners, Jerry DePoto, he said, we're going to go for it. We're going to get this pitcher so that we can cement ourselves. Remember, the, the Mariners had that big winning streak to put themselves sort of in the, the wild card conversation, whereas before they, they might have been on the periphery if that. They were trading barbs with the Angels down at the bottom of the division below 500. But they went on that big run before the All-Star break. Now they're seven games above 500. 
Right now, the Mariners are, it looks like they're in the second wildcard spot in the American League. And they went and got probably the best pitcher on the market. But we got to be honest about what it cost them. It cost them three of their top five prospects for Luis Castillo, which maybe that makes Cardinals fans feel good because they weren't getting Castillo anyway from the Reds. Intra-divisional trade was not going to happen. Typically, those are harder to pull off. And if the Mariners just gave up three of their top five prospects, they're not getting Juan Soto. I don't think that the Mariners were necessarily particularly likely to do so, but when you look at who their GM is, Jerry DePoto, you can never count them out. Same reason that we're talking a lot about A.J. Preller with the Padres. Those two like to trade more than anybody else. So it was conceivable that the Mariners would have been a sleeper team in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Not anymore, though. They traded away two top prospects within the top 100. There may have been a third one, but I'm, I'm looking through the MLB.com list anyway right now, and I see two of them, both shortstops. Edwin Arroyo, who was ranked 93rd on the MLB list, I think he was much higher in the Baseball America list, closer to the top 50, somewhere in that range, for Edwin Arroyo, who's an 18-year-old shortstop prospect playing in low A ball right now, but has an OPS near 900 at 18 years old. So definitely somebody that that certainly looks to have a bright future. And then the player that would have been the most comparable to Jordan Walker, Noel V. Marte. The other shortstop. So they gave up two shortstop prospects that are now going to be in the NL Central. That's notable for the Cardinals' purposes because uh, eventually they're going to have to probably see those guys, which is maybe not as fun. But Marte is a 20-year-old shortstop prospect with an 825 OPS at high A. Full marks for his power and his arm. Looks to be a really good player. Just 20 years old, he'll be a Cincinnati Red. He'll be a guy that the Cardinals have to contend with in a couple of years for sure. He's going to be a bonafide big leaguer at the end of the day. And that's where I think it's really interesting that the Cardinals have had interest in these starting pitching guys like Frankie Montas and Pablo Lopez and Tariq Skubal, whoever it might be. And then you see a bonafide starter and what it costs to acquire him. And you go, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm so interested in that. Like Luis Castillo is very good. Don't get me wrong with that. That's I'm not trying to diminish him in the season that he's had in any way. But you're talking about a top 20 prospect in Marte, and then another guy who you could argue is between, I don't know, probably top 50, top 75. I think the preseason list from Baseball America, I should say the midseason list from Baseball America is probably better than the MLB list, which was, you know, I don't think that's been updated since the beginning of the season. But that's two guys in the top 100 for a pitcher in Castillo who does have an ERA below three. He's 4-4 four and four with a 2.86 ERA on the season, 90 strikeouts and 85 innings, so that's not entirely gaudy. And he's going to be a free agent after 2023. So you get him for one more year beyond this one. That's the time frame, same as Frankie Montas for the Cardinals, if they end up going that route. And Frankie Montas has sort of comparable stats. But are you telling me that you would trade, I don't know, Jordan Walker for Frankie Montas? Absolutely not. And I want to make the case that even though that's probably what it would cost, I wouldn't be trading Nolan Gorman for him. And that might be a comparable piece to the Noel V. Marte piece that goes to Cincinnati in this Castillo deal, even though he's only 20 years old and Nolan Gorman is, what, 22? I got to check out his age for a second. Yeah, he's 22 years old, just turned 22 in May, and he's already at the big league level, but you're talking about that top 25, top 30 prospect type. That's what Nolan Gorman was before he graduated the list earlier this season. I'm not trading Nolan Gorman for 15 months of Frankie Montas. Absolutely not. No way. End of discussion. 
if I'm trading Nolan Gorman at all, it's because Juan Soto is going to be wearing birds on the bat. That's pretty much the only way. Maybe if he carries a significant portion of a Tariq Skubal trade, just because Skubal is available and under team control for like four more years, it's obscene that the Tigers would even consider trading him. He's got the same amount of team control as like Dylan Carlson does. And even though he hasn't turned himself into maybe a superstar yet, he's a left-handed pitcher who throws hard. He's only 25 years old. He's got a 3.67 ERA this year. Just really, really solid, a strikeout per inning. Those are the kinds of guys that you that you build around in terms of rotation. So Gorman for that guy, maybe. Shane Bieber or something crazy like that should happen where a guy becomes available in the market that you don't expect. Okay, we'll talk about that. Otherwise, it's Juan Soto for me. The move that we saw tonight between the Reds and the Mariners, what that served to do to me is say, Cardinals, I know you need starting pitching. You worry about it later. Don't worry about it now. Worry about it later and go out and find yourself a deal for Juan Soto because he's generational. It's never going to happen again that, that a guy like this comes available at his age, 23 years old. Forget if you get to sign him after the fact. I'm not worried about that. Let's worry about 2025 and 2025 when it comes to one of the best hitters in baseball who really you can make an argument age-wise hasn't even entered his prime yet. At 23 years old, a lot of these guys are still in the minors. This guy's been a big leaguer for multiple years, three years at 23 years old. So he, he could have some growing to do, or he could just be the greatness that he's already been. You don't get, I mean, that opportunity does not come knocking on your door, not on a daily basis, not on a weekly basis, not on a yearly basis. It doesn't happen hardly ever. And the fact that it's happening right now, and it coincides with the Cardinals just so happening to have a glut of really good top prospects, seven in the top 100, according to Baseball America, and you've got guys like Donovan and Yepes, Gorman at the big league level, Andre Pallante, if you're talking pitching. I mean, they've got the pieces to get this done. There's no question. And I think 72 hours from now, it needs to have been done. I think the Cardinals need to make the move and trade for Juan Soto. Because, again, do they need pitching? Yes, but you just got to talk about the value proposition. If a trade for Luis Castillo for 15 months, which a very good pitcher, don't get me wrong, has had injuries in the past, though. All pitchers probably do at some point or another. But 15 months of that guy, you're going to tell me that's going to be Nolan Gorman and Mason Wynn? Like, that's what's comparable here for what just happened between the, the Reds and the, the, the Mariners. And I'm not doing that. If I'm trading either of those guys, it's to build a stronger package for Juan Soto. And then you say, well, you got you to gotta get pitching, though, or what's the point of trading for Soto? I understand. Do the Soto thing first and then take the rest of the, the weekend and Monday and then leading up to the deadline on Tuesday to figure out how you're going to deal with the pitching rotation. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I am saying that there's a bunch of pitchers out there that are fine to good, and there's one future Hall of Fame hitter out there that I feel comfortable saying that about him after only three years of his career. He's 23 years old. Guy's five years younger than me, and I'm telling you, he's going to be a Hall of Famer barring injury. That's the guy you go get. That's the guy you devote all of your prospects toward regardless of team need. You, you you know they always talk about in, in the baseball draft, well, we're not really drafting for team need. We're going to draft the best player available because who knows years down the road what what our need could be when that guy develops into a, a major league caliber player. Yeah, that's sort of the way that you need to look at the Juan Soto situation. Team need is great, but when there's a best player available that's so head and shoulders above the rest of the league, like a Juan Soto is, folks, you just go and do that deal. <laughs> you do. <laughs> The problem with that, though, is it is probably going to cost you Jordan Walker. 
And I do I do have struggles with that, especially after tonight because Jordan Walker, along with Mason Wynn, his, his teammate at AA Springfield, yeah, they went back-to-back together. And then later on, uh, Jordan Walker hit his second home run of the game. That's what uh, that's what Jordan Walker's been up to. So tonight, you talk about the guys that the Cardinals could potentially trade for Juan Soto. Jordan Walker, two home runs. Mason Wynn, home run. Nolan Gorman, home run. Lars Newpart's like, hey, I want to be traded too. Home run. No, he, he didn't say that. But I'm telling you what, if there was a night to have the Washington Nationals looking very closely at the Cardinals and their prospects, this might have been the night to, to have happen exactly what did. Now up to 10 home runs on the season, 41 RBIs and 15 stolen bases for Jordan Walker. 304 average, 390 on base and an 890 OPS for a guy who is 20 years old, freshly turns 20 on May 22nd. And yeah, he's an absolute stud. That being said, Juan Soto is doing those kinds of things at the big league level now. And he's been doing them for the, the last three plus years. And I think that if push comes to shove, now, make sure Jordan Walker, if you're trading him, make sure he takes up a pretty significant chunk of this package. Like, I don't I don't know that you necessarily even need to trade Walker and Gorman, but if that's the ask, we've talked about those two names being the two that, like, if push comes to shove at 4 o'clock on August 2nd or whenever the Nationals say, hey, this deal needs to get done now or we're going a different direction, that may be the quandary for John Mosellock. Would you trade both Walker and Nolan Gorman? And he'll have to decide what to do with that. But I tell you what, even if it's painful and even if it ends up objectively being the wrong move because those two guys become studs for the next 12 years in Washington Nationals uniforms, be painful to watch that happen. But Juan Soto, you know that you're going to get your opportunity to thrive in October, potentially win a World Series. You, you've got him for three Octobers. And then, yeah, maybe it's incumbent upon the Cardinals to sign him down the road if that's what you end up giving up. And I think Bill DeWitt Jr. has got to be aware of that. Cardinals ownership has got to be aware of that. But I just think this is too big of an opportunity. My point, though, is if they don't want to go with it, they don't want to go with it. We'll see what the rest of the year looks like. It would be a big letdown. It would be at this point, I think, with all the the hype. And again, the Cardinals haven't supplied this hype. This is all public stuff. People are talking because they see the match and they would like to see something go down. Cardinals fans would like that. People around baseball probably would rather see the Padres because, you know, rivalry with the Dodgers, it's more exciting, blah, 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 blah. But, man, to have a a lineup in the National League that consists of Soto batting second, Goldschmidt batting third, Arenado batting fourth, that's those are infinity stones, guys. I I continue. If you're a Marvel fan, you get the reference, but those are infinity stones in your lineup, and you you collect too many of those, and you're going to need... Basically, no spoilers, but this is kind of a spoiler. You're going to need time travel if you're going to beat the St. Louis Cardinals if they've got that many Infinity Stones. You're going to have to come up with a, a retcon to to blow it all up and, and make sure you beat Thanos after all. With those three in the lineup, that's what the Cardinals would be. And if you keep Dylan Carlson, which I've said needs to happen, you know, that needs to be the case. If you're going to trade for Soto, it's great, but you still need Dylan Carlson in there. That's another one that you feel pretty good about. So... I don't know if they're going to end up doing it, but my takeaway from tonight, from Friday's trade between the Mariners and the Reds, is don't trade for a starter if it's Frankie Montas because I think the A's are thinking they're going to get the same kind of return as the Reds got for Luis Castillo, and that is not the kind of return the Cardinals should offer. It's not even close. I wouldn't even trade Gorman, and you're probably going to have to go Gorman and win or Gorman and Burleson, something to that effect. And it depends on what Oakland wants. Maybe they want Libertor because they want a pitcher. 
I might be more willing to do that, but I'm not sending Libertor and Gorman. So it's tricky. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what's going to end up happening there, but I have said, all day I've said this, and then this trade happened, and it only reinforced my belief. If the Cardinals end up with Frankie Montas, there are going to be Cardinals fans, the majority of them, they're going to be disappointed because of what it's going to cost to get him. And for me, if I look at Frankie Montas, again, I think he's a good pitcher. What's his ERA? It's like 3.14. And, you know, he's had some shoulder issues this season, so not as many innings, but still a decent amount at 104, 109 strikeouts. Last year, he was a 200 strikeout guy, was very durable last year. But the, pardon me, the ERA is uh, 3.18 this season. He's 29 years old, going to be 30 in March. You'll have him for one more year, but don't you figure the Cardinals would want to sign him? Yeah, they would. They'll sign him to a more expensive four-year deal than what they gave Steven Matz, and we, we've seen how that's gone. So I could just see this being a way that the Cardinals really take one step forward and three steps back, to borrow from Olivia Rodrigo, because you'd have a situation where Nolan Gorman leaves your lineup. You replace him, I guess, with Paul DeYoung, who has looked really good with Memphis. He's on the taxi squad. He's just waiting for somebody to get traded so he can be activated to the team. But I think Nolan Gorman has more upside than DeYoung. I mean, that's why he's been playing all year. He's got 11 home runs. He's he's getting up there in OPS. Like, he's a he's a dude. He's a bona fide dude, and he's growing into the power, and he's, he's learning how to do it at the big league level. You'd be replacing him with nobody really substantial offensively. Yeah, DeYoung's getting paid, so they're going to have to play him if that's the way they want to go with it, if, if they can't find a way to send him somewhere else in a trade. You'd be getting better in the rotation, but you're taking on a guy who's got a shoulder issue. Like, the... The ways that can go catastrophically wrong to me are are plentiful. Let's say you trade for him and he gets hurt immediately. You just gave up five years of Nolan Gorman and maybe other prospects on top of it if you're going to compare it to the Mariners and the Reds deal for Luis Castillo. You've given that away for a guy that may not even... I'm not saying he's going to get hurt, but if he's already got shoulder issues this season, reoccurring shoulder issues, the Cardinals already know what that's like. They've, they've dealt with that for the last 15 months or so with Jack Flaherty. Not entirely with the shoulder because it was the oblique. It started with Jack last year early in the season, and then he comes back, and then it's the shoulder. All that's interconnected, though, and, and you you put too much strain on one part of the body, you can injure another. As a pitcher, it happens all the time. How many times do we see the pain travel around? And next thing you know, pretty much it's like a, a bingo board where every part has been impacted in one way or another. Alex Reyes, it's happened to him. Don't want to see it happen to more Cardinals and Frankie Montas. I just worry about the shoulder a little bit. I really do. I don't worry about what what will happen when he's on the mound for the Cardinals. But I'm not giving up Nolan Gorman to make it happen. That's my takeaway from the trade that we saw go down on Friday night. So what do you think the Cardinals ought to do about this? Should they trade Nolan Gorman if it means fixing the rotation? For me, I'm a, I'm a definite no on that. But let me know what you think at bshafer12 on Twitter. You can tweet at me or direct message me. Once again, that's at B. Schaefer 12. I think Gorman's just too talented to to trade down at the position. I'm talking about within the lineup. I know that pitching is important. Pitching wins championships, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm trading down if I'm, I'm trading him for a pitcher and I'm not getting anything back. I'm not only trading down for 2022. I'm trading down for the next five years after that because he's under team control for a long, long time. He's a rookie. He's a rookie who's assimilated pretty well already. Some guys have a really big learning curve at the big league level when they get that call up. Not him. He's really been able to handle himself, and I I can only imagine that he gets better as time goes on. 
Juan Soto, he's a proven superstar. Yeah, you you could probably trade Nolan Gorman in a package for that because you know what you're getting. With Frankie Montas, you don't know what you're getting, so I couldn't do it. So what does that mean? Well, the Cardinals still are going to have to pursue starters. Noah Syndergaard is a name that has been thrown out there. People think that they can get him relatively cheaply. He's had a decent season. I think he'd be even better with a, a bit of a change of scenery. Anybody you're going to bring into this Cardinals uh, organization is going to pitch better in front of their defense, I would have to imagine. That's the reason that Patrick Corbin doesn't scare me. We haven't heard as much about that in the last few days ever since Mike Rizzo said, we're not trying to attach a bad contract to Juan Soto. Okay, fine. You don't need to. Cardinals can still get him. Cardinals can still get that done if if they really want to get aggressive and, and make 2022 something that should count, something that should mean something. They could still do it, even without the Corbin addition. I think there's a way to do it. It'll be painful, but I think it could happen. But if not, or even in addition to, because if you get Soto and you don't get Corbin, you still got to figure out a starting pitcher. I hope that John Mozeliak is not too one-track mind on the pitching situation right now, because that could be the thing that costs the Cardinals Soto. But he did say, if you if you saw the interview with Jim Hayes before the game on Valley Sports Midwest on Friday, Jim asked him, I know you're not going to say a whole lot about showing your cards and what you guys are working on, but I would have to imagine starting pitching is part of what you're pursuing right now. He said, yeah, it is. That's something that we're looking at, but we're also looking to do some other stuff too. And it took everything that John Mosellock had in his body not to flash a big old grin at Jim Hayes right there. I think that was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge about Juan Soto definitely being in play for the Cardinals. So I don't know if I mentioned my percentages. I think I did on KTGR this afternoon, but here's my updated percentages. 25% Cardinals for Juan Soto. 25% Padres. I'm 15% Dodgers, even though we haven't heard a lot of buzz Jeff Passan says that they're one of the two front runners, along with the Padres and lists the Cardinals close behind. I'm giving that much of a percentage to the Dodgers without a whole lot of rumors just because of the Dodgers. And then they'd obviously have the money to pay him, and they do have good prospects. I don't think they want to trade a Dustin May, who had a really good rehab assignment tonight. But you can never count the Dodgers out. So I'm 15% for them. What's that? We're up to 65% now. I'm about 10% that it would be another team that swoops in and gets him besides those three. And then about 25% that he stays put. But I think the longer this goes on and the more chatter we hear, the more that shrinks. The number 25% on how he could possibly stay with the Nationals through August 2nd, that number gets smaller. The Mariners, I do think, left the conversation tonight. So that's one less one less thing to worry about. Sorry, that's like a bad off, uh, off-key Hamilton reference. But you know what I'm saying. Those are my percentages, though. I do think the Cardinals are very involved in this. If they don't go that route, or even if they do, go get pitching. I'm looking at the Giants and saying, "Hey, are you guys going to you guys going to sell? Hey, maybe they're still in on Juan Soto. Maybe I should give them 5%. I'll do that now. 5% to the Giants, 10% to everybody else. I gave you the percentages for the Cardinals, the Padres and the Dodgers, 20% that he stays put. Cuz I think the Giants could be interesting. Even though they've been losing recently, that would be a jolt for that team. They could absolutely make a wild card if they add Soto and they'd have him for the next 2 years as well. But if they decide to go the other direction, Carlos Rodon is my number one target, even though he's uh, a free agent to be after the season. Derek Gould, I mentioned his article, at least on the radio today. I don't know if I talked about it yesterday because I don't know if it was out yet. But he wrote about just breaking down the percentages and the statistics of where the Cardinals are at in terms of strikeouts within their rotation. They just don't have a very high strikeout rate. It's below 20%. Well, Carlos Rodon would fix that. 148 Ks and 116 innings. And last year, 185 Ks in 132 innings. So he hasn't been an innings eater necessarily in recent years. But 29 years old, same age as Frankie Montas, two-time All-Star, left-handed pitcher, which I think is nice. Just a nasty, nasty pitcher. I'd be picking up that guy via trade however I can. 
and he's a rental, so he shouldn't cost you as much if the Giants do decide to part with him. You'll have to give something of note, but it may not be the Luis Castillo package because it's two months instead of 15 months. So that's notable. But I'd be signing him up for a three-year, four-year contract after this year as well if I'm the Cardinals, if I can get my hands on Carlos Rodon because they need that kind of pitcher that can wipe guys out. But Thor would be an option. I'm looking Madison Bumgarner's direction. If the Diamondbacks want to throw a little bit of money my way to eat the rest of that contract, he's not all that old. He's just been kind of pitching old in recent years, but he's, he's kind of toned it down a little bit and is going well right now. Uh, and by the way, if the Royals want to trade Brady Singer, I'm listening on that as well. He looked very good against the Yankees yesterday. Tarek Skubal, that's another name I'm in on. But again, that's probably going to cost even more than Luis Castillo did. So unless the Tigers have some sort of hypnosis that they go under to where John Moselak and Mike Gersh can dupe them, I'm not really thinking Skubal is, is very likely at this point. That's like four or five years of control compared to a year and a half for what the Mariners just gotten Luis Castillo. So lots going on in the trade market, obviously. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. So let me know what you think. At Schaefer 12 on Twitter, DM, or just go ahead and tweet at me. And one more reminder, if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you would be my best friend for doing so. Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We're talking Cardinals baseball the rest of the, the, the week, obviously, and the trade deadline coming up. We'll be talking through the remainder of the season as well and hopefully into the playoffs. And you can ride along with us on B-Shape Daily, breaking down everything to do with your St. Louis Cardinals. So I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to the show. Thanks for sticking with me, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.